I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. Welcome to Rich Text, a podcast about our cultural obsessions, like the latest Bravo innovations and reality TV scandal. If you're listening today, you're already a paid subscriber to our audio and written newsletter, Rich Text. Thank you, as always, for being here. You quite literally make our work possible. We're here today because of the stunning season four finale of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, which, I mean, I think we should all be talking about because it's I art. mean, it's art. It's like true water cooler television, which in this oversaturated media content landscape is very hard to come by. So we knew we had to like bring in a real Bravo expert to have this conversation with us. Welcome to the Rich Text Pod, Gibson Johns, host of the Gabbing with Gib podcast and author of the Gibsonoma Substack. You should all subscribe. I am personally a huge fan of the Substack. It's fantastic. Oh my God. Thank you for having me, you guys. We, I mean, we literally connected because of our Substacks because I, I subscribe to you and likewise. So <laughs> I'm really happy to be here. It's just like quiet fans. And before we started recording, we were just all bonding about the fact that we were worked at AOL, HuffPost, Verizon, Oath, whatever, Whatever. digital media, cable subscription. Exactly. (laughs) In in the same era, all of us were there for like nearly a decade. So and and now we're little indie podcasters and substackers. Look at us. (laughs) This is the next step. Just like after... After you go on a reality show, you like become an influencer or you launch like some sort of beauty brand. For us, the next right. step is a Substack. Here we all <laughs> so are. So true. And I love being here. So you know what? Yeah. We're in our monetizing era. Yeah. yeah. Look at that glamorous life. Okay. So we're going to start off by going into some of the major plot points and the backdrop on which this season season four of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City was set. We're not going to like do a blow by blow because the bulk of this episode, we really want to focus on the finale, which Mm -hmm. I think is the thing that has everyone really talking and memeing a lot of good memes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about the finale is that like we had this great season of Salt Lake, but then the finale was, it was, it wasn't completely like a bottle episode, but you could watch that finale and get the gist of, that big scandal at the end like it was just it happened at the very end of the season and that's just what it was you know 100 percent. yeah there is something about it that and we'll get into this but it feels like impossible for it not to be completely scripted because of just how perfectly it brings together (laughs) all these threads of drama and tensions in the group and follows up on all of these little clues that have been laid down it's really a feat and it does bring everything together from the season But let's rewind. I personally needed this background because, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, I skipped season three. So I came into season four just kind of like vaguely remembering season two. I was like, Jen Shaw got arrested. I've been reading about her case in the newspaper. The ladies have still been doing their thing. So where are we when season four opens? Jen Shaw is now in prison and she's not a housewife anymore. (laughs) <laughs> because she's in prison. She pled guilty. You have to give up that title yeah. when you go to prison. You can't like go on girls trips to the, the Bahamas when you're in prison, unfortunately. <laughs> so, but but how amazing. But you can still could. post Instagram stories, apparently. So, <laughs> Right. Very confusing. Jen Shah pled guilty on charges of defrauding people through this telemarketing scam that she was running targeting vulnerable people. 
And at this point, all of the housewives have decided to basically sever ties. They're like, it seems like she did it. We're not friends anymore. We're moving forward into a Jen-free era of our lives. However, although Jen is gone, her influence lives on. She is present in flashback. She is present through the way that she has shaped the group because the two new housewives, Angie and Monica, became friends through Jen Shaw. And that's sort of how Monica became introduced to the group. Angie was a friend of in season three. There okay. was two yes. Angie. There were there was a there were two, two Angie's Angie K and Angie K. This is Angie K. Angie K was promoted for season four to be a full time housewife and Angie H was let go. Disappeared. So yeah, yeah she disappeared. <laughs> she and says Mo- she yeah. quit. Okay. She stepped back to Listen. take care of her family. <laughs> they let them all say that. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. I love that. It's like everyone knows that housewives don't quit. Right. Exactly. Yeah, but and then Monica was Jen Shaw's assistant. Right. Which is yes. How, yes. And so she and, and Angie both were friends in Jen Shaw's orbit. And that's how they became friends as they both felt like betrayed by Jen Shaw and bonded. And Angie introduced Monica to the rest of the group of women who were also betrayed by Jen Shaw. Monica was actually, she claims, a witness for the federal government in the case and active in taking Jen down. So a lot of the season is sort of tracking Monica's introduction to the group. Like she makes contact with the other women. Angie sets her up on a lunch date with Lisa. And then, you know, Monica starts getting invited to the group events. And almost immediately she starts acting like she's been there the whole time. Like she asserts her presence. She's like, I met you yesterday. I have opinions. Listen to me. She's like, you're a bad person. You're a bad person. You're a bad person. (laughs) Which, as we know, is kind of like how the audience acts. And it kind of ties into what we learn later. So true. Monica immediately is giving main character energy, but also strong audience fan standing. Yeah. Yeah, She's an audience insert. Like, it's truly like what you would write in a scripted show. Like, write a character that we can all identify with as the audience. But she's a real person in theory. <laughs> they just stuck in, in theory. theory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In theory. I have my doubts. So she very quickly decides to wade into the conflict. She's weighing in on their behavior. She's calling them out. She's taking sides in conflicts that have basically nothing to do with her. She's spreading rumors. She's very game to be a housewife. And I think that's also part of the fan conception of being a housewife is that we all look and we're like, well, the job of a housewife is to spread rumors and cause drama. Like, it's not to get along with everyone. Sometimes when a new character is introduced and they try to play nice as a fan, you're sort of like, do you understand the assignment? (laughs) Exactly. Monica's like, no, guys, I get it. I know the assignment. (laughs) She's like, I really do. I'm well versed. I've studied it. In fact, I've done all my research. Yeah. Truly. Angie was her entree into the group, but she quickly gets into a beef with Angie because... They go on a girls' trip organized by Meredith that Angie wasn't invited to. Angie crashes. And then Monica decides to really openly take Meredith's side against her friend in the group. So soon she's in a fight with Angie. Then Lisa, because Lisa complained too much about losing a $60,000 ring. She's like, you're materialistic. You're out of touch. You're not relatable to me because I'm going through a divorce. The middle class. I'm the middle class. I mean, you're, you're like, the yeah, 1%. <laughs> yeah, you're the 1%. I'm the middle class. I'm like our audience. They relate to me. They don't relate to you. 
But Lisa claims that she, that the middle class can relate to her, even though she has a sixty thousand dollar ring. Oh my it's god, just... Lisa is the most beautifully out of touch person on this earth. She's my queen. And it's, yeah. I love her. But <laughs> what I think is hilarious is that the most relatable thing to me as a member of the middle class is being very upset about losing sixty thousand dollars worth of jewelry. Yeah. If I had that, that would be worth more than anything else I owned. Exactly. And I would be so upset to lose it. <laughs> That's true. I too would be flipping the oh fuck out if I'd I, go home. If I, yeah. Yeah. I'd be like my savings were tied up into that yeah exactly I, I'd be like I have to start selling off the few <laughs> assets that I have this is a huge problem the thing I would find the most unrelatable is if she were like oh it was a $60,000 ring but it's fine John will just buy me another one you know it's it's really nothing <laughs> it has sentimental value yes and that's the real reason she's upset she doesn't even care about money and that's what makes her relatable so she's now fighting with Lisa she's fighting with Angie there's also like a extensive plot line about Monica's terrible relationship with her mom Linda which is so bizarre that I truly was like I think this whole plot line was written and casted by the people who made Arrested Development there are scenes with Linda where I'm like Linda can't be real a dinner scene what was what was that Linda does not seem like a real person I mean she clearly inflicted a lot of trauma onto her Mm -hmm. daughter it, it sort of all crystallizes for me when we learn that Linda has long wanted to be on television. Yeah, it, so it like, comes full how- circle. And I, and it's it's interesting because, again, even like if you disregard everything we learn about Monica later in the season at the end, her relationship with her mother to me was so compelling as TV. Even if that was just kind of all she brought to the table, I was kind of riveted by it. I was confused yeah. and kind mm-hmm. of disturbed by it, but I was riveted, you know? And like every episode we were learning something new about their relationship or seeing some crazy scene. And it just shows you that she she had the material in many ways to, to in terms of what she could bring to this show. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Like when you compare her initial run as a housewife to Angie's, for example, Angie's a fine character. I don't dislike yeah. Angie. Monica grabs the attention of the narrative though in so many different ways in the way she gets into conflict in obviously this final reveal that we'll get into but also yeah in her own personal family story yeah and like her her character has legs yeah and it's a common thing for first season housewives to sort of almost give the their supporting characters, their family members, their the people really closest to them in their life that are coming with them to the show, basically, to give them a little bit too much runway on camera, you know? And you'll see as they get into their second, third, fourth seasons, they start to sort of pull back those people's access to the show because it makes them look bad. It makes them look messy. It makes their lives look out of control. You know, we've seen other really kind of wild mother-daughter relationships over the years in other franchises, but, you know, Monica, as much as she was clearly, like, had studied the show and and whatnot, she gave her mom a lot of access to being on camera, and it made her look a certain way, I think. But, you know, I'm glad we saw it. I also wonder if that's part of just getting on the show, that, you know, to offer that, to be like, well, I have this tumultuous relationship with my mom that I think would you know make for compelling TV like you have to make a case for why you have to be there as we later learn right right which I thought was fascinating I mean I felt like I was just like airdropped into like an alien planet or something I was like (laughs) what is happening this season I don't understand this person this relationship it's very 
bizarre, but it was like I couldn't look away. And I think that that is kind of the push pull that a lot of the women who aren't directly in her firing line start to feel, which is like, Monica's so fun. I see these elements of like her relationship with her mom that I relate to or her relationship with her kids that I relate to. But then she'll suddenly just be screaming at someone for seemingly no reason. And it's very erratic and I'm unsettled, but I can't stop, you know, feeling that draw to her and just hoping that she won't fly off the handle at the next event I invite her to. So Heather, Whitney, Meredith, like they, they develop these relationships with her, but there starts to be a sense of like caution that she's not so stable entirely. And this whole season ultimately (laughs) comes together in a girl's trip to Bermuda to celebrate Monica's birthday, which I mean, incredible. It's her first season. They're ending the season by all coming together to like explore her family heritage in Bermuda Mm -hmm. and celebrate her birthday. Yeah, truly her power. And Bermuda is like four episodes long. Yeah, it's basically a third of the season. And we end the season on it, which is it never happens with Real Housewives. There's always a girls trip, an episode or two, and then a big finale party and back then, in their home right. city. Yeah, Things so that was, that, that, like... that speaks to that speaks to what the producers I think saw as like this is the culmination. I it, was going to ask yeah. you, do you think that they had planned to film after? I'm and sure. They just they saw this and they were like, we have our season. Yeah. And also the art of the production and editing on Salt Mm. Lake City it is just on a different level level than so many other reality shows on Bravo and off of Bravo and you just you have to give credit to yeah what production clearly saw and they were like no we understand narrative enough to know that this is where we need to end 100% yeah and it it would have felt so anticlimactic if we had had this big this big, you know, final episode of the girls trip. <laughs> but then we went back to Salt Lake and we, you know, had some like another book party for Heather or something, you know, yeah, exactly. just, it's, we didn't need that. You just listened to a free preview of this week's Rich Text podcast. If you like what you heard and you want to listen to the rest of this week's podcast and our entire Rich Text back catalog, you can become a paying subscriber at clarendemma.substack.com. If not, you can still enjoy our free weekly recommendations. Rich Text is hosted, produced, and edited by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray. You can find the written version of Rich Text at clarendemma.substack.com. You can find us on Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod, and you can find our other podcast, Love to See It, over at Stitcher and wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on TikTok and Twitter at Love to See It Pod. You can also find us individually at Claire E. Fallon and at Emma Lady Rose. Thanks for listening.